Lord Jesus, we pray that your word would just speak to our hearts. We want to speak freedom in this place, freedom to hear your word, but freedom by hearing your word. You said that we'll know the truth, truth will set us free. Lord, if in any way we've been stuck, Lord, we turn to you, turn to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a quick non-sermon question. Does anyone travel in from the Bridgetown area or Vanguard area or anything? Because Charles, who's our ministry, in, one of our ministry interns from the seminary, I couldn't make it this morning and he was going to help me. And that was because no Ubers wanted to go to him. Uh, so I sometimes take him back, um, but it's just tough for me to get there early on a Sunday morning. So if anyone wants to help Charles, uh, let me know. Um, and uh, maybe come up with a standing arrangement for him on Sunday mornings. Um, okay, we're going to turn to Psalm 20. Um, and uh, we're just going to read the psalm together. I'm going to make some comments, and then uh, oh, it's nice to be preaching again. I've sort of like forgotten, um, and uh, some of you giving me a bit of attitude and back chat for that. But hey, take your take your gap when you had it. Hey, um, I'm back. <laughs> um, so here we go, Psalm chapter twenty, uh, Psalm twenty, from verse one. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the safe place or the sanctuary, the holy safe place, and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart. Make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory. <laughs> it's not just God's victory. It's the fact that God has given someone victory and everyone else gets to shout for joy because someone else has prevailed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift our banners in the name of our God. May, grant, may the Lord grant all your requests. Maybe we should just put that in our Christmas cards this year. Eh? Isn't that just a beautiful, beautiful, spoken blessing, speaking life into everything good and noble and just and true? Obviously, God cheats because when he gives you the desires of your heart, he changes the desires of your heart, but, you know, that's good. Um, now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his Messiah or to his anointed or to his anointed one. It could be king. It could be Messiah. It's anointed. It's all one thing, and, and one concept, one word. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. This is now where you know the psalm from. You're suddenly, ah, I've heard this before. 
Psalm 20. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall. But we rise up, stand firm. Lord, give victory to your king, to your anointed one. Give victory to Messiah. Answer us when we call. So the first thing rather obvious about this psalm is that it is blessing that we are to speak over one another. It's very beautiful. It's not primarily a prayer that we pray over ourselves or pray for ourselves. It's something that we actually give away. It's the words we can say over somebody else. This, the person who's speaking and praying the psalm is finding joy and delight when somebody else gets breakthrough and freedom and provision and victory and, and, and justice and prevails against that which is coming against it. And so the psalm is teaching us to selflessly give blessing away. May the Lord answer you, especially when you're in distress, when things are tough. May the name of our God protect you. May he send you help, grant you support. Remember all your sacrifices, accept your offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart. Make your plan succeed. I'm going to shout for joy when things go well with you. Isn't that community? Isn't isn't that something of, of a much better spirit of Christmas? It's the spirit of Jesus. It's the delight when other people flourish and thrive. You see, we function best as a community when we carry in our hearts the longing and prayer and ambition for the blessing of the people around us. You know, church is a blessing club, but it's not a bless me club. It happens best when each is carrying something in their heart for the other. Can I speak life to someone today? Can I bless them, pray for their victory, help them overcome distress, speak for their safety and protection, release a work of God in their life that at the end of it they say that was blessing and victory and make no mistake that was God. By the way, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 makes it clear that this is the first step into New Testament prophecy. That when you speak for someone strengthening and comforting and encouragement, you're already in prophecy. When you're getting into blessing language, it won't be long. In other words, you don't have to start with fancy words of knowledge. You know, Jesus said to Nathaniel, for example, I saw you under the fig tree when they came to call you. And he goes, how did you know that? You know, and, and it's the prophetic edge. And that's the word of knowledge. You, you, you don't have to start there. You don't have to start by even anticipating the future. The New Testament is just speaking blessing and grace over people's lives. Joy. Our words carry God's power to build people. The Bible talks about speaking for edification. The word is the root word is that uh, oikos and is, is the word we get for house. In other words, you're literally building something in their life when you're speaking blessing. You're, you're giving them a home, a house, 
it's a construction. It edifies them. Now, food also use it, has the sense of edification. But the, the primary meaning of the word is actually, it, uh, it actually builds something. Our words have the power to build things in people's lives. And we'll come back to this next year. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We speak life. Just got to be our default that people sense something of hope, that faith gets stirred instead of struggle. Right now, I need that stirred in me as I read South Africa's news. As I read all the stuff that's going on, I just want to go, throw my phone away. And then I need the weather forecast. But, you know, (laughs) I need WhatsApp to organize my cycle. But, you know, what, what on earth is going on? And it's so easy for the negative words that seem to have so much power to take charge of my heart and my mind and to prevail. Isn't it great to be in a space where people call out the best in you? Where people speak life. And no, we don't want to pretend the other stuff isn't happening. So we'll get there a little bit later. (laughs) What do we do with the dark side? Apologies to Star Wars. But uh, so the second thing is that this psalm has, by the way, I'm not, not, that little piece of paper I gave you are not for you to take notes. Um, You're going to answer some questions just now. But I mean, if you're desperate to take notes, you can use it. But then you need a little space there to answer some questions. So there's several progressions that follow the same theme. So the psalm moves from distress to blessing, from threat to victory, from the need of help and and then to finding uh, support, from longing to fulfillment, from planning to success. May he make all your plans succeed. And from prayer to answer, from desire to fulfillment and satisfaction. Now, we often want to jump to the end of the psalm, to the end of all these progressions, you know. So we don't want to stay in the distress space. We want to get to the answer space. We don't want to stay in the longing. We want to get to the fulfillment. But the psalm is actually being very honest about where we often start and where we actually are. And so we are speaking life even when there is distress and difficulty and delay and disappointment. And it's precisely in the movement from one to the other that we see God at work. You see, the psalm assumes that things can get really tough, that you can face all kinds of challenges, and that you're going to need a battle to get through a battle that's going to give you a victory. Earlier this year, the elders went on retreat. Part of that time was just literally waiting on God, understanding his direction, pausing after the disruption of COVID and all that kind of stuff. We were still under mask mandate, but we dropped the masks in more ways than one. And we spent time together um, and uh, went to a retreat center, actually, and uh, waited on God, listened. 
And we've shared uh, some of those outcomes with the church council. We've shared them at a members meeting, and we will return in the weeks and months out of some of that stuff. And the church affirmed largely what we shared. But one of the deepest and most powerful times was what we began that retreat with. We realized we couldn't plan for the future until we had processed the past. So if we were going to go forward out of COVID, we needed to be honest about where we were. If we were looking for a victory, we needed to face up to the fight. You see... Coming out of COVID, we all needed to grieve. And many of us probably still do. To be ready for the future, we need to process the past. If we don't deal with our losses, we don't confront even our defeats, that stuff will carry forward with us and it will mess with us even as we try to succeed. is that? <clears throat> well, I could turn to many things, but Hillary sent me an article from Naomi Holt, who's a psychologist, and she wrote this just a very short while ago, and uh, she titled it, A Gentle Reminder Why You Utterly Exhausted. <laughs> anyone, anyone identify? A Gentle Reminder Why You Utterly Exhausted. She says this, no one I know began this year, 2022, on a full tank. Given the vicious onslaught of the previous two years, let's just call it what it was, most of us dragged ourselves across the finish line of 2021, frazzled, spent, running on aged adrenaline fumes. We crawled into 2022, still carrying shock, shock trauma, grief, heaviness, disbelief, the memories of a surreal existence. And then it began, the fastest hurricane year we could ever have imagined. Whether we've consciously processed it or not, this has been a year of more pressure, more stress, and a race to catch up in every department of our lives. Every single one. Work, school, sport, relationship, life. And though not intentionally aware, perhaps hopeful that the busier we are, the more readily we can forget. The more easily, if we get busy, we will just undo the emotional and spiritual tangle. The more permanently we can just wash away the wounds. But we can't. Attempts to recreate some semblance of normal on steroids while disregarding the fact that for two years our nervous systems were on full alert, has left us in tatters. Our children and teens, by the way, are not exempt, she says. A natural byproduct of fighting a hurricane is exhaustion. <laughs> That's the picture she described. You see... If we just try and press into the new thing, we haven't had time to process what we've been through. Now you're going, Craig, you're talking six months old. Well, it's precisely the sense that actually in several ways we still see ourselves 
acting in unhelpful ways? How many people feel like your pace is just, I just got to make it through December and then I promise myself it'll be different. Just another two weeks and then I'll be fine. And your restart is going at a pace that you cannot sustain. That's because you're living out trauma. It's not because you're busy. It's because somewhere along the line, you've stopped being able to govern yourself wisely. That's the concern of the elders. We're dragging our past into the future in unhelpful ways. So we thought <laughs> that we'd have a memorial service this Sunday where we bury COVID properly. We give it a memorial service and we recognize. Now, when I am preparing people for a funeral or a memorial service, I take them through a few steps. And so I'm going to take you through a few, through a few, a few steps. And then um, it's a kind of grief process. You see, grieving badly is when you avoid it, short-circuit it, shut it down, suppress it, ignore the, uh, the distress and the pain. And grieving badly allows the wounds of the past to keep hurting you. Grieving well is a gift God gives to help you begin again. So how do we grieve well? And those of you who have lost actual family members during this time know that I've taken you through these steps. But I'm applying it now to our broader context. Almost like the last three years. So I want you to now pull out your piece of paper. I'm going to give you some time. For you to write down. What has this time taken from me? You need to name what you've lost. What have the last three years? Now, for some of us, literally, it's a loved one. Brother, mother, father, a friend, colleague. Now, we wept three years ago. We had Ellis Andre one of the most glorious, wonderful elders. And yes, he's in glory, but we have to face his loss. We had a children's pastor called Robert, and we lost him on Christmas Eve. Some of us literally lost brothers and mothers, sisters, friends, colleagues. But what are the other ways that you have faced loss? Loss of contact. Loss of control. What are some of the things? Now, to be even braver, and ask some of us to share those, and then I'm going to write them on the screen magically. Anyone willing to share some of the stuff that these last years seem to have taken from you? It, it, it may have been your schooling. I know some people 
my daughter lost her university experience, like essentially. Everyone goes to uni and has a job, whole new social world. Gone. Two years. <laughs> Virtual university sucks, would be her verdict. This is good to know that the enemy has tried to take from you. The reality is, though, that as we begin this process, something starts happening for us. We realize some of this is a battle, and we can fight back in the grief process to see some of the things you literally can't keep. But Logan, some of those things you can get back. You're not going to hear your mom's voice again this side of glory. You're not going to hug your sister or brother again. And so naming what is gone. Naming what is lost. What you can't keep. Slowly a realization comes that maybe during this time I received something that I can. You know, when you lose someone, you realize there's a whole lot of stuff that's gone. But then you realize there's a whole lot of stuff that they've left behind. And I don't mean, you know, the CD player or whatever it was. I mean things that no one can take from you. Because during that time, a deposit was laid from their life. We call it their legacy. But now I want you to think. What have I received during the last three years that God wants me to take forward? You see, if you just wipe the whole thing as trauma and evil, then in a sense you've had three years edited. You know, the wilderness, Jesus went into the wilderness and you would think, man, this is just horrendous but times in the wilderness give you stuff that you meant to carry for the rest of your life it's interesting jesus went into the wilderness faced all the devil's temptations luke chapter 4 and yet luke records and jesus returned in the power of the spirit like no matter what the enemy tried to get him to do and take from him in that place question his identity, get him to like surrender everything. Jesus didn't bow and he comes back. So what is it that out of these three years you're going to keep? What's worth saying this is mine? You want to make a note or two? I'll pick on a few people. So what is it <clears throat> that's gone. What did this take from me? I'm not getting it back. What is it that I can take forward? And last one, big one, I'm not going to ask you to put it on the screen. 
What do I regret? What am I ashamed of? Is there any guilt? You see, whenever you're grieving, you've got if onlys. If only I didn't do that. If only I didn't say that. If only I took that opportunity. You see, guilt and shame and regret ties you to the power, the destructive power of the past. Is there anything I regret? So let me remind you of this. And this is where we're going to come to next week. Um, I'll just go back and turn point number three into point number sermon two. The stuff you need to move forward. Everything listed in Psalm 20. May he turn defeat into victory. May he turn distress into answers. May he turn doubt into hope. All this comes and is found in God himself. This is a blessing to know God, to receive his grace. And so where there is the sorrow and the guilt, you see, it's God who enables you without injustice to put your sin behind you. Because there was a day back in history where Messiah himself on the cross took our disappointment, took our failure, took our sin, took our shame, took our guilt, and he literally in his body, soaked it into himself, and it said, you will go no further. You're stopping here. And the only thing that passed through Jesus, imagine all the forces of darkness, not just your failure, everything that's gone on, demonic, human, you name it, chaos on the creation, poured into one man's body. And he dies for us. And the only thing that passes from him is forgiveness and grace and the ability for us to share his kind of love. Sin is arrested in Jesus at the cross. When you put your hope and your trust in him, you get the power of beginning again. And you begin again without the power of the past dictating to your future. In fact, you begin again without the power of the past dictating to your present. You see, it's always right now that the past wants to mess with you. And so understanding what God can do for those in distress for those whose longings seem unfulfilled, whose plans are not yet realized, understanding it is God himself. So let's pray together. So back in Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes out of the wilderness. Out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. 
There's nothing else in charge of him. It's the Spirit of God. It's the operating influence and power in his life. Out of the wilderness, out of the hunger, the power of the Spirit, the grace to say the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news, to bind up the broken hearted. That's what the anointing does when Jesus comes. When we're grieving, when we're mourning, He binds up the broken heart. He comforts all who mourn. He takes away the spirit of heaviness, releases a garment of praise, and he begins to pour an oil, pour an oil, pour an oil, the oil of joy instead of mourning. May the Lord answer you in your distress. May the Lord hear your cry. May the Lord give you the grace you need to begin again. To begin again. Let's declare God's goodness together.